Knives Monroe is an Austin, Texas-based filmmaker. And yes, that is his real name, most badass name ever. A self-confessed glorified TikToker, and he makes some awesome ones. Knives has been shooting and editing video for 17 years, pretty much the same as me. In May 2022, he'll DP his first narrative fictional short film for the first time in six years. Super exciting. Be on the lookout in mid-2022 for You Don't Mess Around with Nancy Noble. As soon as I saw Knives, I knew I wanted to chat with this guy. And I've been really, really excited for this chat. So without further ado, join me in welcoming Knives Monroe to the podcast. So we got Knives Monroe on the podcast, which I am extremely stoked about. Uh, this guy, I've been watching every single post that you make on TikTok for since I've been on there, maybe about a year or something. And um, you're just coming with this insight that for someone like myself, I'm 36. I've been doing this for a while, maybe not in the same realm. I'm, I'm very like more in the video production side, less in the filmmaking side, trying to get more into the filmmaking side. And you are one of my biggest inspirations, to be honest, man. So thank you for coming on. The pleasure is all mine. When you invited me, I was stoked. I was listening to the interview with friend of the show. Let me look it up right now. Make sure I get his name right. Brent De Silva. Brent and, De Silva, uh, my buddy Brent. Yeah, that guy's got it going on. So you you know all the cool people minus me. The pleasure is all mine, man. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're the man. No, um, I'm stoked that you checked out an episode of my podcast. That's pretty cool. Well, of course. Pretty yeah, sweet. I need to know what I was getting myself into. What if this was an ambush? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair man that's fair so a lot of the stuff i want to talk to you about is filmmaking filmmaking as an art form um your experience not really i want to talk about your or hear about your experience in filmmaking but i want to hear about your experience feeling like an artist through filmmaking mm -hmm. um can you just dive into that just right off the bat because i'd love to hear about that from you sure well, it starts at a very young age. Um, my first memory was a movie. And this isn't revisionist history. This is just the way it is. I promise you, there's no embellishment. I just speak in cursive. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like he's making it up or whatever. But my first memory was the Coen Brothers film, Raising Arizona. And my first memory specifically is John... Um, what's his name? Um... It's because I'm hearing myself back, and it's kind of hard to speak at the same time. John Goodman is pulling William Forsythe out of the ground. They just escaped from prison. It's my first memory. My mom worked at a um, video store. It was called All Hit Video. And we grew up in a real poor community, so movies were the only game in town. And it didn't, you know, it took so long. It took until I was 16 to be like, oh, shit, that's why I'm so weird. It's because I'm a filmmaker, just like this Quentin Tarantino guy. Ah, that explains everything. And from 16 and on, I, I took it very seriously. I, as far as my relationship with filmmaking as an artist, I don't know any other way. You know, what I do know is people are very uncomfortable with calling themselves an artist. And I'm not because that's like saying you're uncomfortable with being a human being. Having said that, because for me, being an artist, all I got to do is inhale and exhale. It's, it's that easy for me. It's, there's no challenge. It's just, I was born this way. But I will say, in my age, I'm going to be 34 tomorrow. So I'm catching up to you. And birthday, in my man. age, 
Thanks, buddy. In my age, I've realized that you shouldn't necessarily have to have your identity entwined with your career, right? Like, there's more to life than that. But I don't look at being an artist as my career. It's more like what I do in my framework. It's how I see things. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, when asked if he was an atheist, he said, the only ist I am is a scientist. And the only ist Knives Monroe is, is an artist. Amazing. The uh, You just called yourself Knives Monroe. Yeah. Is that, is that your real name? Yeah. I get that question all the time, you can imagine. TSA, you name it. I love it, man. That is Looking new clients, the- Knives Monroe, you'd think it'd be a red, a red flag, but people think it's neat sometimes. I would, if it, personally, I do. <laughs> My wife is like, that is the coolest friggin' name I've ever heard. Same. Oh, same. well, tell her is, I said thanks. What about what about Quinn? Quinn Aiden, is that your name? Because my email may have came a little different. Yeah, my that's my uh, first name and middle name. My I last name it. is Corkle, so didn't have the same ring to it. No, it's I love confu- it. I, I don't know, man. It's confusing. Like with clients, they they sometimes they think my, that's my last name. Shit gets weird sometimes. Can I just say because I'm looking at you? You know, you talked about being um, an admirer of my TikToks and my work, if you will. Yeah. That's how I feel about you, man. The first time I saw your TikTok was I duetted it and I cried <laughs> listening to these pains of, of the editor, the editor working person. And uh, it's funny, my father-in-law, I guess I got shared. I got shared in some groups in Facebook or something. And my father-in-law saw it and he was not pleased. He was like, why are you crying? Why are you having a mental oh, no. breakdown? And I was like, buddy you don't know what we go through, man. Video editing is no joke. And I've taken on some massive projects that have required massive revisions and it just makes me sad. So shout out to you, buddy, because your stuff is just so remixable and memeable and stitchable and just so fun. And there was a common elk between us. Neither one of us wore Iron Maiden garb today, which I kind of thought you would, but... I was so close. there was I, there was something a, a kindred spirit there. We could, we come from the same ilk, and I I vibed with that right away because there's a lot of young blood on TikTok that are filmmakers, videographers, cinematographers. They're 20, yeah. but then here's this guy who's kind of like me, and I know you've been around <laughs> the block, and so much respect to you, sir. I tip my hat to you. Oh, thanks, man. That that means a lot, and I appreciate that. And that's really funny that you brought that up because I was actually going to ask you about that post because <laughs> for, for anyone who's never seen it, it's it's a post about me just talking about like what sucks about being a video editor is, you know, you have to be in it all the time. You can't have a podcast on, you can't be watching a movie, whatever. Whatever people do while they're working, we can't really do that when we're editing. And then this guy comes along, never seen your account before this, and just... Films his face beside my face and then zooms in slowly on it. And then t- a tear comes down and I'm like, is he trolling me? I don't know what the fuck's going on. And then I, it, dude, it was the best. Like I just deep did a deep dive into your account right there. Cause I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> um, and then I, if I yeah. may, if I may, and this was a beautiful, I like to connect dots. You know, that confusion, that sensation that you felt watching that TikTok, 
is this guy trolling me or is this guy serious or is he having a mental breakdown or what's going on? <laughs> that confusion, that's electricity, man. Like that's what artists yeah. kind of like live for is that kind of like, is this real? Is this what's going so on? True. Those questions, like those are like the, the fun, inspiring questions. So I'll just leave it at that. Man, that's like a less, that's so true. Less traditional art, like just like things happen. And it's like, you're right. I, that is, that is kind of art. Because art is, is can be that magical at times as well, right? Art's, so. art's about making something that is like, you know, this is really pretentious, but this is what it is. Something that transcends its, itself, you know? If I show you a paperclip, but it goes above and beyond its own proportions, it becomes art. That's what, it's magic. It's alchemy. It's It's science. It's all those mixtures put together. If you're able to do something like that with a camera, you know, I think that's really special. And that's it's cool. scalable, you know? Everybody at home can experience it at the same time or on their phone on the toilet. Which is probably the majority of people. I, it's absurd. It's absurd how much time, not on the toilet, but it's absurd how much time I spend on that stupid app, man. But it's the strangest thing because there's a lot of entertaining just random shit on there, but also just... I feel like I've never had a community like behind me like I do. And it's not a massive community, but I just feel connected to other creators like I never have um, you being one of them. And it really feels good, man. It feels great. I think it is massive. Like maybe you've been in contact with like 25 creators. True. Maybe 50, maybe 100. Like if all those dudes, myself included, were looking at you in, in a room you'd feel something right and we're on your side we're on your team like there's something that happens when we're engaging with these on our phones these black monoliths where they don't feel real it feels separated or abstract but these right. are real human beings who's supporting Man. who are supporting you and it's i would never lose sight of that if you can that is the biggest thing i've only done maybe five recorded five episodes of this and that is the biggest takeaway i've had from it it mm -hmm. it's because I've I've interviewed or chatted with a bunch of people like yourself who I sort of look up to on that app. And it's like, oh, wow, these guys are just they're just the same as me. You guys are the same as we're all doing the same stuff, living our lives, being on like it, we're, we're doing the same stuff, man. We're doing different projects, obviously, but um, the community's amazing. I love it. Has this been a recurring theme on your podcast? How? good-looking photography Canadians have just took over the world like has that <laughs> is that a common theme because oh my goodness I was born in the wrong country uh no you one's guys. mentioned it you're the first one so oh I but won't be I, the last Brent Brent uh well thank you so much dude but Brent is also he's only in it but an hour away so um I guess we didn't chat about being Canadian so much but um yeah I mean Peter Something McKinnon in your water he took over the uh, the YouTube world, right? So yeah, at um, one point, at one point, at one point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah he's a good photographer too. Um, I got to ask you uh, something that I've been th thinking about because I've been thinking about increasing sort of up in the the quality of my TikToks because I just like you often. I mean, you do somewhere you sit down, you have your camera, you know, there, and, and you're doing the the full setup, but often it's just grabbing your phone you get a thought you you talk to the phone kind of thing 
um, I've been thinking about doing that. And I know in, in the past, you've talked about TikToks being um, art. You've talked about them being filmmaking, um, yeah. considering them filmmaking, taking that back as artists, um, calling it yes. filmmaking and not just calling it content. Can you talk about that a little bit and expand on it? So I made this TikTok and it was called, um, I don't remember what it was called. It's because I write them out, right? And I have it on Evernote somewhere. And it was talking about, you know, we went from the six hour epic to the six season show to the 90 minute movie to the, all this down to a vine to a TikTok. And it was about, oh, I called it the post cinema singularity. Yes. And because of the internet and because of technology, it's now become one. I love Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Spielberg, uh, Quentin Tarantino, these purists who shoot on 35 millimeter celluloid film. And they have this, they're gatekeepers. They have this monopoly of the mind that they know what filmmaking is. When the truth is, I see these 14 year olds on TikTok who know what filmmaking is. And it's just as viable. And I know for a fact that if J.J. Abrams, geez, Quentin Tarantino, you name it, any director, if they were 15 years old right now, they'd be on TikTok and they'd be making shit. So interesting. I try to do that. You know, I try to not beat myself up about it because quality is subjective. But at the same time, my philosophy with TikTok is low effort content. That's been my philosophy. That's what brought me to the dance. That's what connected us in, I think, a lot of ways. Just, I come from filmmaking world where you spend 18 months on a script, six months in pre-production, three months in principal photography, three months in post-production. You screen it, it's over. And so when you look at all that time, it's two years two years of your life for one rep. But on TikTok, you can get a rep every day. You get multiple reps a day. You can get better and get that get into that feedback loop and grow faster. It's exponential. So I had to unlearn a lot of filmmaking bad habits, these ticks that no longer served me in the modern world. What's good is I can blend and infuse the two now and create something that is my own. And I don't know if that answered your question, I don't have any answers. <laughs> I don't know about your TikTok algorithm, but mine's very the top five ways to grow on TikTok, you know, have a hook and all that stuff. Oh, and yeah. I think that's like entry level basic, you know, common sense or something. Yeah. But the truth is I like the Mr. Beast mentality of Create the best thing that you can. Put in the extra effort. And it finds an audience, you know? One thing I've noticed on YouTube, and I've been on YouTube since the beginning, and I hate where it is right now in our world, photography, videography land. Like, it takes forever to get to a point. It takes like four minutes. Yeah. People's intros are like 30 seconds. I'm like, I got places to be. <laughs> get to the thing get to the fireworks factory as they say in the simpsons um and so i i like the mr beast approach of boom 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 
Here it all is. Here's everything. You know what you're getting. We over-deliver. Here's a side angle. We over-deliver. It's iconic. He's taking the filmmaking approach. He reinvented the wheel. He really did. And now what yeah. he's doing is a film production. He has essentially writers and you know people who work on something like six months out and like he's a filmmaker he's one of the best there is and i think there's a snobbiness that people would look down on him and say well, he's not a filmmaker he's a youtuber that's a dirty word yeah oh my god everybody's on youtube it's bigger than film it's transcended you know now Crazy. i got two kids and my 16 year old he rarely goes to the movies unprompted on his own without right. me right. with his friends rarely but this motherfucker his name's also aiden <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> is on tiktok is on youtube is on discord and he's consuming and that's where it's happening he's also on hulu and crunchyroll uh crunchyroll as well but um that's where it's happening and that's where i want to be and it's all redefined i want to be a part of that and i'm not getting any younger and i want to connect and as opposed to spending two years on a thing and making it perfect, I just decided to make stuff every day. No effort. Show up. Do the work. Eventually, it evolves into something of higher quality. What you see now, it didn't start this way. It started with me with pimples and shy and didn't look at the camera and all that. Even though I had been in the game for 15 years. And now it's gotten to a place where people tell me what my style is. I'm like, ha, huh, I didn't... I'm not trying to do or anything. I'm just trying to show up. You know, they say 70% of success is just showing up, and that's what I'm trying to do. I love that entire answer. I'm definitely cutting that up and putting it on TikTok. Talking about TikTok, that's happening. I'm going to give you, you, I'm going to try my best to give you like 15 second, 30 <laughs> second answers. I apologize. Dude, uh, you know, hard. as an editor, as an editor, you want more. Give me all mm. of it. I mean, I don't want to sit there and go through all the shit. This is yeah, great, no but I mean, you know, an hour-long interview for like a one-minute piece is a bit much, but um, <laughs> I do you know, the same. We've, we've all been there, but more. Absolutely. We need more, man. We don't need less. We need more. Um, that's amazing, dude. So, uh, how do we how do we connect indie darlings to this TikTok world? Because you're on there as Knives Monroe, but yeah. you're also on there as indie darlings. Um, yeah. Tell me what indie darlings is and and how it came to be. This was the question I knew I was going to get, and I kind of rehearsed it. Andy Darlings, which I also have a tattoo of the insignia right there. Nice. So I mean serious business, and so does my wife. It's our business, my wife and I. I, I love the logo, by the way. Well, thank you. It's very minimal, and it's evolved. Um, in the beginning, we were a production company, and then it turned into nine other things. And now what it is right now is it's it's a store. You know, We sell merch, apparel, whatever stickers and what i want to be able to do is get so big and my brand be so big knives monroe become so famous and have all this clout where i can support indie darlings and be their store where if if quinn aiden needs merch and he wants beanies and hoodies and stickers and posters for his audience we can supply that we'll make the art with you it could be collaborative or we can do it all for you and you have your own store on our shop, and you get X amount of the commission. And I want to do that with all these creatives that I love, all these indie darlings, these guys, before they explode. And then eventually when they do explode, and everybody wins, and we're all making tons of money, and the endeavor's still there about these indie darlings. 
if I had to define what an indie darling was, I always think of Joseph Gordon-Levitt before he became like in the public consciousness as a right. big mainstream actor. He was that little indie guy that was like in all these little films that no one ever heard of, <laughs> like Brick and Mysterious Skin, which is one of my all-time favorites. And I just knew one day, if given the right opportunity, he would be a huge star. And then like Inception ha happened and I was like, holy shit, everybody knows who this guy is. And he got the best scene in the movie. That was an indie darling that exploded. Another one's like a Bo Burnham, who kind of started a little bit on third base, but he wasn't a household name until he was. Donald Glover wasn't a household name until he was. And I love that journey. I love the come up. I genuinely do. It's, it's the juice of what we do. So that's the ethos of Indie Darlings. If you go to IndieDarlings.net, cheap plug, it's a store. And we're looking to make it more and more robust. I decided I don't want to do freelance anymore last year. And so I took away the media services. We're a multimedia company. Took that away because I have more work than I can handle. And I keep getting booked. And I don't want to promote those services anymore because I can't scale myself as a one-man band. So now it's a store and that you can sell. You can scale. And it can make money as I'm sleeping. Dude, that is the coolest. I didn't know that that was sort of the goal. I, I love that idea. I think that's that's amazing. And I think it's, I don't know if there's another home for like independent artists in that way where you're there to help them with their merch, to help them get set up in that way. Because I think that's intimidating for a lot of people. Like I, I don't know where to start there. So we're going to, we're going to chat, but um, you know, so yeah, that's a, that's an amazing service. I think that you could, you could offer and um you are again like you're the, the you're the indie guy for me you're you're the indie inspiration <laughs> for me and, and you're out there doing it cool. you've you've done it um you know that's always a big factor too if you're coming in as this guy who's like you just got to go do it then you better have fucking done it and you did it yeah. um tell yeah. me about some of the the previous films you've worked on i know you wrote and directed at least a couple right you know, the first thing I ever did was make a feature film. I didn't start with short films and then graduate to commercials, music videos, wedding. I did all that backwards. I made a feature film first, then a short film, started dabbling in some <laughs> wedding stuff, did some corporate stuff, music videos, weddings. I went backwards. That's so crazy. I just really wanted to make a movie first. So when I hear you say that you're a videographer who wants to get into filmmaking world, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the that's the path. That's the but you, if you wanted to, you can just start. <laughs> you could just start there and be like, I'm a filmmaker. I wrote a thing. I'm going to direct it this summer. That's that. That's what I did in 2012. Um, I'm actually you're getting a lot of firsts here on your pod. But I think I'm going to remake my first movie this year as, um, nice. as a 10-year anniversary thing. And kind of just show that way the art works in tandem with each other. And you can see the contrast of what's happened in 10 years. But it's the same story. So I think I want to remake it. It was entitled Her Doppelganger. And I shot it on the budget of hot dogs and handshakes. And luckily the script was good. And so people were gravitated to work for free on it. To this day, I don't believe in doing free work. Um, I believe if you're a director, then you can... You know, I'm a DP on one of my friend's shorts. We're going to film it in May. I'm not getting paid for that because I'm the EP. I'm also producing it. So I'll cut my <laughs> fee in half to put it back into the film. 
You can do that when you're the director, but actors need to get paid. And I've paid all my leads since the beginning, even when I had no money, when I was broke, you name it. And I believe in that. That movie was a success. It's on YouTube. I don't recommend it because it's super shittily made. It's kind of like, I never went to college, but sort of like a student film. But I screened it in a theater, 400 people, sold it out, made our money back. And um, it's one of the proudest moments of my life. That was 2012. I was 24. My second film was a disaster. It was called The Seven Hands of God. I don't have a copy of it. Uh, The producer stole it from me. It's a a story I rarely talk about, but I'm sure I've covered it somewhere. And that was a big learning lesson, man. I put eight grand of my money into it, which at the time, in 2014, was a fortune. I had a baby on the way. It may as well have been $50,000. Never saw a penny back. Uh, Don't have a copy of the movie. I'm not friends with those people. It's just a big, fat L. Public humiliation. But the lessons I learned, oh, that was tuition. Then I made an anthology film in 2015 um, with my buddies, and that was super great and rehabilitative, and it was awesome. Made a short film in 2016. And then I have not made a narrative, fictional piece of filmmaking in six years since 2016. Is that six years or four years? That's six years. Six. Um, and my friend, J.R. Molina, is pulling me out of retirement to EP and DP uh, his movie that he's going to direct. He's going to fly from New York in May. We're going to film it. I've already put in Amazing. over 10 grand into this movie, which is a fortune wow. uh, for me, you know? And I've invested in it. I'm just so proud of this guy. But I have shot so many corporate BTS, which is my specialty, BTS documentaries, thousands of videos that I have exported since my last short film. I have gotten these reps in. I'm going to be on two film production shoots this week. I'm booked all the time. I've gotten so many reps in. My powers are so crazy right now. (laughs) Maybe not the best in the world, but the best that I've ever been in my career that I have a feeling, the sneaking suspicion, that when me and my buddy film his short film in May, that it's going to be quite exceptional because I have all these reps behind me. And you know what it is, client work. You know what it is to find work, to close the deal, to go above and beyond, and then present them with these assets, and they fucking love it. And that word of mouth spreads, and oh, you got to get Quinn. Oh, you got to get this. I mean, this guy's the guy. And you start seeing the money coming in, and you got to say no to work. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a hard thing to do. And it it kind of just happened. So... I think going back to filmmaking world, it's going to be a breeze because I'm working with actors. Like, I know what they're going to say. We're going to block it. Like, it's just, it's it's easy. You know, I know what these setups are going to be and I know what a bad take looks like. I know when it comes to the edit, we're just going to edit out all the bad shit. And I'm going to have notes where script, I'm sorry, scene four was the best here and da 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 It's just easy, baby stuff now. Movie, movie making is easy compared to corporate life i think what were a lot of the the corporate projects like what what kind of projects were you working on typically oh geez i'm still embedded in this in these works lately well it's two things so my bread and butter is behind the scenes um documentaries that's my bread and butter and that's what i love to do i love to do that 
Um, so you can imagine something like doing an event videography sort of montage video. Mm, I could do that shit all day. I love that. I love it. So I do a lot of that. And I get paid handsomely for that. The second thing I do, I have multiple jobs. And one of my full-time jobs uh, is with a company who works in e-learning. And so we build courses, which is a pretty good skill to have to see that workflow, to see the life cycle of that. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of teleprompter work. It's a lot of um, green screen, talking heads, curriculum development, you know, in the back end, all these doo -doo bullet points and then, and then slide. And then like this person, like spinning globe and like that kind of stuff. So I, I do a lot of that. One man band. I'm the first person that they hired in this company that does that. They normally just contracted it out and they built this position for me. Essentially, essentially, um, I fit the mold. And that's been happening more and more and more in my professional career is they, they create a Knives Monroe position for me because I'm really good at apparently selling the Knives Monroe silhouette that they have that they need to fill. Um, and let me just say... Eight years ago, that wasn't as easy to do. But now everybody knows that video is a necessity. It's just as important to your business as the wireless internet is if you want your business to stay afloat. So I feel like a fucking goddamn car salesman. But <laughs> yeah, so mostly mostly that if that answers your question. Yeah, I do the actually I, I have the same sort of mentality right now. It's like, I don't have to sell anyone on video. And like you said, 10 years ago, it was like trying to yeah. convince someone they needed video. It's like, you don't need to do that yes. anymore. That that doesn't, that's not a thing anymore. Um, Amen. Yeah. But uh, you said that you're really good at like selling yourself. And I guess yeah. that's different than selling video, obviously, right? You're selling your abilities to do the yeah. video. And you said that's easier than ever. Is that only because of, you know, how, how, huge video is or is that just the confidence that you've gained through working on all these projects i was <laughs> thank you for this question this is a great question everybody asking me the same shit like what's your favorite movie what camera do you use we can get to that if you want but uh i like this question quite a bit it's the first time i've ever been asked it i've been ridiculously ridiculously overconfident i think my entire career and I would sell myself before I had the skills to back it up. And now I have the skills to back it up. So that's a lovely marriage, right? But yeah. I, I didn't always have those skills. I may have booked myself filming <laughs> a few weddings and quinceaneras that I was not qualified to do. And I may have not accepted full payment because I felt so bloody awful about turning in those assets. Um, but you did but it. But the good news is I did it. Yeah, I got those reps in. I was able to say I did it. And you learn from those you learn from those mistakes, man. I encourage people, fuck up and fuck up often and just get over it and move on and, and just get that experience in. It's like video games, like XP. Yeah. Chop those totally. little bushes and like the that weak shit <laughs> and get stronger, man. Like I'm all about that. Like let's yeah. try to be as OP as possible. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 absolutely have to. I actually, I was, was doing a podcast last night and we were chatting about that very thing and we were talking about gear um maybe this is a gear segue but um that's we were talking about how you need you you need the tools in order to get better at whatever the thing is like for the longest time and i know you can appreciate this like i was shooting on the t2i 
Oh, no, Hell yeah. Sorry, I was shooting on the T2i first and then the Canon 6D, which has a very inferior video. Uh, like the sensor is not good for video. Great for photos. Terrible for video. 6D? The 6D. The, the 6D, the first yeah. 6D. Yeah. yeah. Um, full, full frame. frame sensor, but just yeah. shit video. Like garbage. Okay. Not not good quality, especially side by side with some some of the other cameras. So, but Nerd. anyway, I wasn't about to go. I wasn't about to go to to sixty. It only only did ten eighty at twenty four frames, uh, or thirty, and I wasn't yeah. about to go do seven twenty to get sixty. So I shot all of my work at twenty four. I did no slow mo stuff. I just did yeah. documentary style everything, and I and I really I got good at doing that. Um, yeah. But what happened was because i wasn't shooting at 60 i didn't i it took me time once i did get a camera that could shoot 60 and i started implementing it into my workflow it took me time to learn that and get really really good at that so yeah. there's there's it's a problem when you don't have the gear that you need obviously to get better at the thing not yeah. that that was your issue you just needed reps maybe you had the gear but you needed reps but i'm i'm assuming that you did the same thing. You probably started with, I know I've seen some posts, you started with a T2i or something in that realm and you worked your way up. So tell me a little bit about, I'm, I'm a bit of a gear nerd, not publicly, but I love to hear sure. gear stories. Tell me about your, your gear progression. Oh man. So the first camera I ever bought that I owned, I was 17 years old. I was working at a church's chicken. I don't know if you guys have that over there. It's essentially a KFC. Yeah. It was a KFC. And um, I saw on QVC, which was a channel. I don't know if you guys get that over there. It was a channel that sells shit. Yeah. It's like, come and get the natural Texas spring water. Look <laughs> at that. You're going to love this. The contents inside, the nutrients. Hold on. Just give me a second. Took off the cap there. Lemony Fresh. How about that? So for nine ninety nine or two installments of nine ninety nine, you know, one of those things, right? Always installments. And I saw, yes, I saw a JVC camera that was. Oh, I thought you were gonna grab it. Of, You're looking around, and I'm like, I wish oh my I had God, it. Gonna grab it. No, I, I break <laughs> my cameras. It was literally this Good. big, really small, tiny, five megapixels. The SD card that I bought for it maxed out at 64 megabytes, maybe 128 megabytes. Yeah. These SD cards that were like expensive at the time. Yeah. This is 2006. <laughs> and I would shoot and edit backyard wrestling videos with them, party videos. It was just like YouTube nice. stuff, comedy sketches, things like that. I bought that camera, cost 500 bucks. That lasted me all the way to. 2010, the T2i. Now I'm going to go through the whole list, but these might yes. not be in exact order. Okay. But here's here's what it is. It's I'm, thanks again for this opportunity because this is funny. <laughs> I got to take off my headphones this because I'm this this feedback is killing me. Hold on. Okay. So the T2i, the T3i, the 7D, the 7D Mark II, the Canon 5D Classic. The Canon, the Canon 5D Mark III, 5D Mark IV, the Canon M50, the Canon EOS R5, the Canon EOS R6, 
and like a couple of camcorders from Canon. That's the Canon stuff. Now there's Panasonic GH3, GH4, GH5, GH5S, Panasonic Lumix full frame S5, which I still have somewhere. Um, Panasonic Lumix full frame S1H, Sony A7S2, Sony A7R2, JVC cameras, just like camcorders for live streaming as well, Sony Handycams, things of that nature. But I think without missing any, that's about all the ones that I've used, bought, traded, sold. Yeah. What? Oh, and the best for last, sir, another exclusive on your podcast. <laughs> I bought it, and it hasn't come in yet. It's supposed to come in Ooh. any day now. You want to take a guess? <laughs> Ooh. Did you say you had the S1H already? I said that, yeah. It's not that. It's not that? No. I'll give Is you three guesses, so have fun. Oh, uh, you don't sound like a Sony guy. Nope. So I'm, 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 not, I'm guessing it's not the Sony. I don't even know. This is going to be a segue. I, I don't even know. I'll tell you. See, is it a, a um, cinema cinema cam? Yes. Canon? No. Oh, oh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, so I invested in uh, the Red Komodo. I was going to. And you, I'm waiting oh, for this bad boy to come in. And I cannot wait to shoot my bloody TikToks on that guy. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to say. <laughs> you got to, man. You got to do. I have to. I'm going to. This is oh, the. I love it. Never say never. We always say this. Because I thought the T2I. I could have married that fucker. Like I could have died with that T2I. <laughs> I love that. I shot camera. my first feature on that. So I, I shot my second feature on a red too. But I didn't own it. I didn't own it. And. Uh, oh, good for you, man. So like. That's so exciting. it's not like. I'm not. E I am agnostic, and I went through that list not to flex, yeah. but I went through that list just to say like whatever I could find, get upgrade. There was Dude, a ladder I went up, down, back, sideways. You're you were talking about cameras there that are like at the same tier, and they yeah. were out at the same time. So you were yeah. shoot, and you had them at the same time. So one day you were like, oh, I'm going to shoot on the 5D, and then one day you're like, oh, it was like Tarzan swinging from vine to vine. It was like T2I, T3I. 7D, 7D Mark II, 5D Classic, doesn't shoot video, 5D Mark III, you know, GH3, GH4, oh, 5D so Mark IV, it was, it was like that. Okay, yeah. so you did, you were, it was just a constant, and you were selling them and then taking that money and buying, buying the new one, upgrading slowly yep. kind of thing. Man, Absolutely. I, I don't do, I don't think like that. I wish I thought like that. I should do that. Really? I'm more of... I just keep my gear and I'm like, oh, I'll have it as a backup. And then I'm. And That's then good though. I wish I was like that because I'm a street rat. There are some times where like I traded my GH4 for a Canon 5D Mark III. Instant regret. Instant regret. I was like, the, the GH4 was better. I shot 4K. It was. I. Yeah. I micro Four Thirds. And I like the Canon 5D. I sold myself and thinking, I'll take more stills. Nah, man. Like, I made a mistake. Same thing with I traded the GH5 for the Sony A7S II. I love the Sony A7S II, but that, that was a regret. I was like, the GH5 was better. 10-bit yeah. in-body, 4K, 60 frames yeah. a second. What was I thinking? But I was thinking, once again, micro four-thirds, full frame. Oh, I want to be a big boy. Dumb. Like So right. that happened. Right. Um, and now, uh, right now, this stream is on an R6. 
I love the canon stuff, man. I love the canon, I love canon. stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm anyway. gonna say something really controversial, and I've I have not made TikToks in the past couple of weeks because I'm waiting for the red. I will wait and then come out and be like, people are gonna be like, what? But I'm not gonna be like, hey guys, I'm shooting this <laughs> under red. It's like I'm just gonna tell my stories, and then I know people are gonna be like, what's different? What's I up? know. 16-bit yeah. raw. Get the fuck out of here. Well, just watch. Okay. So this is an exclusive for your podcast because I love you. Uh, Amore. We got Amore here. Love you too. But here's here my controversial. I wrote this TikTok and I'm like, I cannot wait to, That's so sick. to perform it. Let me see if I can just pull it up. Give me one second. Thank, thank you for dropping that on the podcast. Appreciate it. And I didn't oh, want to say red. I didn't want to go too high because I'm like, you know. I you can never go too like, high. No. I didn't want the, the disappointed. No, but I wish. No, and also unreal. I got it from my friends. Short, you know, like it, I had a good reason. Um, so that's on top of the 10k you've already put into it. Well, honestly, it's it's I'm, I've invested over like almost 15. Yeah, so if you include the red, crazy. Yeah, it's like 15. Yeah. Do you guys, um, do you have a plan of, uh, you're yeah. going to screen it, you're going to try to make that money back, obviously? Thank you for asking. So I pride myself in making my money back in my movie. That's how you become successful and that's how you're able to do it again the next time. Um, but me and my partner, we haven't married this idea, yet, but we're obsessed with this concept of let's only screen it in public. It'll never be available for digital. It'll never be on Vimeo. Wow. We can tour it forever. It can make money forever. It's a novelty. Word of mouth. The only way to see it is through, you know, on a big screen. I think we're obsessed cool. with that. Uh, let, let me tell you this little TikTok here. All hybrid mirrorless cameras are basically the same for video work anyways. If you purchase a mirrorless camera after 2020, odds are you can film in 4K, 120. Odds are you have pretty strong in-body Stabilization, no record limit, wink, wink, Canon. Pretty decent dynamic range. Now, I already know the comments are going to be toxic as fuck, and if you choose to participate in the battles of nuances and features, go right ahead. Um, but I don't care if you're a Sony a7S III, a Panasonic GH6, whatever, and it's a loop. All hybrid mirrorless cameras are basically the same for video work anyways. And I believe that. We're fighting, like... Number one, clients don't give a fuck. Number two, audiences don't give a fuck. This is self-congratulatory, self-masturbatory. Like we're all jacking each other off. Like it's just it's it's a big circle jacker. So that's that's one thing. But also, all hybrid mirrorless video cameras are capped. There's a there's a glass ceiling there, and when you break through that glass ceiling, then you start talking about the red. That's just the truth. There's no discernible difference to my eye between all these mirrorless cameras. They all have that digital look. It's just true. No matter how cinematic you want to say they are or the features can be, if you get the right lens, if you get the Ronin, whatever, dude, it's not going to touch the red. 16-bit raw, 16 stops of dynamic range, global fucking shutter. That's what I want. That's the cinematic look. I remember we were dressing up the T2i to have that cinematic oh, yeah. look. What if it was on a slider? Yeah, now it has a cinematic look. Looks digital as fuck. 
I have the new US iPhone. Shoots ProRes, you know, it still looks like it's shot on an iPhone. It's just gobbledygook, you know? So the truth is, all hybrid mirrorless cameras, they're all the same. I say that not to sound elitist. I say that to kind of be like, don't care. The clients exactly. They don't. They don't care. They don't really care if like a window's blown out. They don't. I. I don't think that's a yeah. thing. Like you know that we. I get. I don't we get care so hung up about yeah. chromatic ab. Uh, chroma, what is it called? Uh, chromatic, chromatic aberration. aberration. Yeah. They don't care about that. No. They can't no. notice it. Yeah. Like they care about their sound, right? Their sound should be great. Yeah. And they're right they about do. that. They're right about that. And the sound should be on point. But you never hear neglected. people say, you never hear people say, what wireless labs are you using? You never no. hear that. Hell no. The fuck out of no. here. So do you think getting this red is going to, like you're going to shoot this this film, right? You're going to DP it, you said? Yeah. And EP it? We're using three you... cameras. The C70, okay. the R5, and for the intro, outro, the red. Do you think that obviously doing that film but also having the red is that gonna light a spark do you have that do you have something bubbling in there like uh, you said you haven't done a narrative in six years um, yeah it, it is lighting up a spark indie, it is eh because you got indie gardens going i understand that yeah but i'm inspired by ignore. tools like going back to sony you said i'm not a sony guy look i'm old-fashioned um here's my favorite lens of all time by the way the Canon 50mm EF 1.2. Oh, beauty. I love this. I love it. I love it. The Sony equivalent Beautiful. feels like I'm holding like Moon Knight's dick. Like it doesn't feel like <laughs> this. It doesn't feel like a lens. It feels like right. a remote control. Like Sony is so cold and monolithic like iPhones. People like that. I don't like that. I want it to feel... <sighs> Dude, the Canon form factor... That's part of why I love it. That's the truth. It feels yeah. like what I know, what I love, what I signed yeah. up for, what yeah. got me going in the beginning. Same thing with these lenses. Here's a, another lens. This feels like a lens. What is I like that? It. The 15 to 35. Oh. Um, even this. Now, that's a that's a beast. Oh. Here's a $90 7 Artisans. Sick. Feels like a lens. Feels like a lens. Still it's a lens. feels like a lens. 90 bucks. 90 bucks. So I'm not like money whore uh i'm one of those pretentious pricks that are like it's not all about money man but i love this and it vignettes it's it's like it's it's every youtube like potato jet you know love the guy but <laughs> all these reviewers like the gerald undones this lens is their worst nightmare they would bear this to death i love it you know it's a style it inspires yeah. me um i have it written somewhere so i might butcher this quote but one of the guys that created Pixar said, art challenges technology. Technology inspires the art. And I feel that way when it comes to the red. I love it. When I yeah. get that baby in my hands and I'm making vertical videos on this, I just can't wait to make the next one. Crazy, the phone man. doesn't do that for me to make TikToks. It doesn't inspire me. It's a fun way to like beam a message. Totally. But it doesn't inspire me to make art. Tools Agreed. should do that. Like for those that are artisans Agreed. that like to make cars and spend six years on a car, they like to work with their hands. So the mm -hmm. tools matter. 
the metal matters, the matte finish matters, like the interior, the leather, the odometer, the aesthetics, that matters, that inspires them. That's why they're doing this. It's the same thing with filmmaking for me. Like the tools I use need to inspire me. Dude, I love it. Um, I love you. you. You picked up, the, I love you too. You picked up the uh, 15 to 30, 15 to 35. What was that? 15 to 35 RF 2.8. Question. Um, yes. Did you ever shoot interviews with that, with a wide wide angle interview? Did you do ever yes. do a lot of corporate interviews? I still do. Okay. I'm doing one Thursday. My, what I'm really loving these days, I mean, I'm doing a project where we're showcasing um, businesses in the town I live in, right? It's, it's like an economic development thing. And part of it is we're sitting in the business with the business in the background. Like we just went to a brewery, a microbrewery. Breweries in the it. background. I love the wide angle. You get the full scope of where we are. And then the second cam with the close up. Um, yep. I, I this is a total geeky question, but like, I is that it. something that uh, you do as well? Like, I've found yes. like the, you know, when I was younger, I definitely just went close because it was like safe. Yeah, it's harder to do the wide. Is it, you you do that too? On these particular particular, sorry, this feedback. On these particular projects, I. I do whatever the client wants, you know, like sometimes they want the conservative takes over the shoulder, over the shoulder or like medium, medium. But when I get to direct, I do what you do. The wide shot, the capital of Austin's in the background. We're in this penthouse chandelier. They're on oh. a couch, two people. It's like, I love it. I wish I could just like not cut away, but then you have the close yep. up, which is 70 millimeters, you know, medium close. They're there. They're pretty all that. So it's good to have options. If I if I could throw five cameras at every production, I would, right? But um, I'm you can two. apparently you have I can all, you have all of them. <laughs> but you know, no one wants to pay for that. You're gonna have to pay me for that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. People want you people charge, want to pay for two. You charge extra for the two cam, two cam shoot, three cam shoot, multi cam, all that stuff. Um. So I I do kind of have like a a top medium and bottom tier of how I price stuff out. People usually go for the bottom. And the truth is I kind of want them to because it's a pain in the ass to like bring my card out and do all the things and take yeah. stills and have multiple cameras. And then when I'm editing, I'm editing a multi-cam and it's just like you give them unlimited revisions. Oh, it's brutal. So I, I prefer yeah. the bottom tier. I have more creative control in that way. I like limitations. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't come from the Peter Jackson school where he's like, or, um, what's his name? Not really, really Scott's brother, Tony Scott. I'm not going to put 45 cameras out there, Michael Bay style, and then find it in the edit. I like masters, Spielberg style. Like, this is the master. Cut to this is the, the other master. That's the way I like to film. That's the way I like to cut. You know, uh, I think the smaller the sandbox, the more creative you're forced to be. That's awesome, dude. So... You talked about revisions, nightmare. I'm in a nightmare revision project right now. So you at you put your revisions in like uh, in the top tier. You put in sorry, you put in unlimited revisions in the top tier. Is that That's what right. you said? That's right. Yep. <laughs> so That's in my so paperwork, scary. it's um, bottom tier is two revisions. Um, but here's the thing. Nice. Second tier, two revisions. Every revision after that costs a hundred extra dollars. Even if you want me to remove a semicolon, 
costs a hundred dollars. Best believe they get it under two almost every time. And the third one is unlimited revisions, but you're paying you're paying a lot for it. Yeah, you're paying for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and there's something I I like this tier thing. I might have to utilize that myself. I don't do the. Tiers. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. How are you with your money situation? You making the money you want? No, definitely not. Oh, okay. Are you comfortable with saying how much you're bringing in a year? Ballpark? Uh, it, it, I actually, to be honest, don't yeah. know because of COVID. Um, yeah. But probably like around 100, probably. And that's Canadian. Probably like 75 yeah. to 100. I and think. where do you want to be? Like 250. I, I'd like to be at like 250. But also my wife works with me so she took we we took the leap she quit she was not working like she was sort of like part-time with me quit her part-time job took the leap joined forces with me about a year ago i think so um so it's like an added pressure right like of yes you need the the dual income which you seem to know a little bit about yes if you made 250 call it 300,000 canadian a year what does that mean for you? How does that impact your life? It it gives me more creative freedom, which is what I both of us really want. Um, because the way that we're going now is I, I really do feel like if I don't do the projects, if I don't take the work, then I can't pay the bills. And that's not a good feeling. And I want to do more creative projects. You know, I, I put a lot of efforts into my first documentary uh, recently, like uh, fall into around Christmas time, ended up finishing it. Congratulations. Um, like, thank you. Thank you. And it's it's like 12 minutes. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm, I'm stoked to, to share it with the world and everything. But it took a lot of time. And luckily, I had a down period with work. But the editing was crazy, man, as as you know, right? Um, yeah. So it's it's that it's it's if I if if I could make more money with the business, it gives us more ability to work on those kinds of projects. We're also musicians. Um, I didn't know that. Get more that's, music out there. But that's cool. So um, that that man creative creative freedom. Yeah, that was your words. Creative freedom. What does creative freedom do for you? What's the what's the ends to that means? Why? Man, I talked about this last night with uh, Zach Shirts. I was on a podcast with him and it's, I don't know anything else. Like I know that it's so, sort of like what you said. I wasn't a born artist like you. I don't feel that same. I struggle to call myself one. I really do. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's, I don't know why. It's just, oh, it's a struggle your dad, for me. I grew up. Dad or your mom. Probably. And I yeah. grew up playing piano. I grew up like trying to like, uh, I, I have overproduced stuck in my head, overachieve in a way. Yeah. And then at some point in high school, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, and I started to slowly quit all the things. Yeah. Um, but I, I was that kind of kid. And then um, it, it, it fell off at some point. But yeah, man. Do you and your wife have kids? No kids. We have two dogs and two cats and it's chaos as it is that's four animals that's a it's a lot of you're mouths take, to feed your highness you're taking notes you're taking notes i am really. 
So creative freedom, that's all you're after. The money doesn't yeah. matter. What are you doing? I would say work less, make less, and do more creative stuff. This is an easy fix. Because the scary part is you might what might happen to you is what happened to me, which is making tons of money. More money than I knew what to do with. More money I I grew up poor. Like paying for hot Cheetos with food stamps when they were like dollar bills, like monopoly money. You'd go to the store barefoot, you walk a mile, hot Cheetos, food stamps, like like Crazy. I grew up fucking poor. Section eight housing poor. just like eight years ago. Which is like government housing you know over here in the states and grew up poor so making money like it's still kind of new to me yeah and i realized it's not worth the trade my humility my integrity for money for toys for what like i, I don't fucking love that what i love is getting my shit in i need to get my shit in and that's wealth Wealth is a state of mind, and I know this is corny, and you already know this, and you've heard it all before, and you've read all the self-development books, but when you're coming from that place, then the monetary wealth comes. It just does. It's weird like that. It's weird like that. Um, so I would encourage you, not that you asked, but just start living the lifestyle of somebody who has that creative freedom. Watch what fucking happens. Ooh. Watch what happens. You'll start attracting more clients that interest you. I'm a big believer in like firing the ones that are just like, you pay me a lot, fuck you, it's not worth it. <laughs> big believer in that. They'll either fix their attitudes, they'll come crying back, or it'll come back in a different way. I promise you. I believe in that. You seem like a guy who just, the universe wants to help. The universe wants to throw you a bone. It does. Oh, but you have, to, you have to be like, thank you. You have to have arms wide open to receive it, you know? <laughs> um, if creative freedom is what you're after, it doesn't matter if you make a million dollars. Yeah, It doesn't matter because it's a state of mind. What happens if you get so busy and then it's the chasing the Joneses shit and all of a sudden you're like, I have all this money, but I'm not happy. I'm not doing the creative work that I want. What the, f why? Like, this is what I work yeah. so hard. Now I'm 43 and I it's too late, right? So um, I would just like start with the Dude. ends to the means. Just start with it. Arrive that way. And then yeah. what happens after that? I love I love the idea of, of actually just like acting like I, am, I have the creative freedom. I think that's super key. That's but deciding to decide, behave as if you yeah. do with yeah. your clients and everybody. Respectfully, right. don't be a dick don't be a spaz don't Imagine. burn bridges but yeah yeah be yeah. like your dream creator your dream artisan your dream filmmaker your dream videographer your dream professional be that guy you will attract the people that you want to attract and more importantly you get to happily achieve as opposed to achieve to be happy with this creative freedom you can just start there and then the best part is what's after that that you don't know and the only way to get there is to get through this mountain first, first. Did you ever have periods in your life where finances were rocky? And I mean, obviously you just told me about oh, food yeah. stamps and stuff, but like yeah. finances were rocky. You knew you should be maybe working instead of working on a creative project, working to make money. And you chose the yep. creative project instead. 
Yes. Flashback to 2017. Uh, I have two kids. They're young. I have three eggs in the fridge. And I know they got to eat. I I don't get to eat. And I was working a sales job downtown. The commute was torture. The hemorrhoids, Quinn, the hemorrhoids. (laughs) Um, But I was also eating like the work fridge food, eating peanuts, eating, drinking coffee, like just living off of nothing. I was dropping weight so fast. In pursuit of this dream, and one of my best friends in the entire world told me, Knives, you need to give up on this filmmaking passion thing. Like, it's just not for you, man. Like, think about your family. What are you doing? And I remember my reaction was, not you, Dave. Not you, man. Not you. Like, I expect this from my mother. I respect. I expect this from my brother. Not Dave. But not from you. And... You know, you always see that meme of like that guy who's the coal miner and then he quits and then the other guy who just kept going in a yard more and he got the diamonds. That's what happened. Um, took one meeting that changed my life, turned me from amateur to pro, was able to quit that job and then buy free range eggs in perpetuity. And I was rich wow. once I went from amateur to pro. I was rich in the mind. Um, I know what it's like to be poor and work for the man and do all that and slave over work and sign up for a project that you think is going to be great. They pay you X amount. Yay. It goes on six months later and you're like, I did not get paid enough. (laughs) You know, I, I know all that all too well. It sucks. But I also know my mental health is more important than money than the pursuit of money, than deals, than competition, all this abstract capitalist bullshit it is um ultimately like you mentioned the two dogs two cats i have two jobs two dogs two kids and the most important in that tier are my kids and my dogs and my wife right like i serve them everybody else can get fucked at the end of the day there's always and i said this to you on tiktok bro if you want quit that job The straight life is always there. It's always with the welcome sign like, hey, we're here handing out jobbies all the time. But the the pursuit of your (laughs) dreams, of your your love, your passions. Damn. Man, that's that's wealth, man. Like I encourage people if they can to do it. Uh, As a matter of fact, I don't respect anyone that doesn't have the courage to bet on themselves. That's so crazy, man. Like I I don't think about... I, I guess I know this the straight life is there. Like and and the weird thing for me is like I did I had the straighter life three years ago, four years ago, something like that. I was working like a corporate job at a broadcasting facility and I ended up being like, No, I'm quitting. We traveled across Canada, my wife and I and the dog. And then I started my own company up again. I had it before I took the job, took the job, started up again in a new town. And that's where I am now, but I am I am exactly where you're talking about. I'm I'm ready for more now. Like this was an endeavor for a few years, come to the new town, get the business going. I'm I'm bored. Like I'm ready to push the next the next level. Which I, I think, think is exactly what you said. I think conservatively, like if you had kids, I would tell you, well, you have four animals, but 
if you had children, I would tell you, do both. Do the stuff that makes you happy and you're passionate, whatever. See if that bucket can fill up so you can quit this job. But, I, you know, that's the conservative way to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. I've done that too. Yeah. Um, but I would also encourage you to emotionally vacate all your feelings in this workplace and go all in on what makes you tick, for sure. For your well-being, for your mental health, to recharge, to love what you do again. I would encourage you to do that. And whatever that means for you, contextually. You've and if it doesn't been... work out, blame me and say some crazy yeah. TikTok guy told me to do exactly. it, fuckhead. And it, I'll take the heat. It's fine. I ha I've got the evidence. Go watch the episode. There you um, go. You've always been... So I know, like you said, from you, when you were a toddler... I, th yeah. I think you said from when you were a toddler, you were a film buff. You yeah. knew where your passion was like yeah. so early on in life. And I guess it didn't yeah. really waver. Um, no. That's another thing for me. I get, I get so bored of stuff. I don't get necessarily bored, but like even within a realm, like I'll get obsessed with like cinematography for a bit and then I'll get obsessed with like directing for a bit or like whatever I get, you know. Yeah, um, that's okay what like i don't hear anything wrong with that do you like that or not i think my my it, you're talking about going all in on something and i don't know what to go all in on is the thing maybe it's just myself maybe that's what i need to go all in on i don't know do you seek some sort of external validation from some source i like to say no but why would yes. you like to say no, but you know it's yes? Why would you yeah, like to yes. say no? Why lie? Oh. Why do I want to say no? Because I want to I want to be free to feel like I can do whatever the fuck I want. So just decide that. Like, m make a decision. I heard that the word decision comes from like some Latin root that means to cut off decision to cut off from other possibilities other timelines other verdicts mm -hmm. i would just decide to do that like you know living your truth and shit just because you're 36 doesn't mean that like you're set in your ways you know you can always flip the switch if I'm it's definitely... if it's um what's the word i'm looking for if it's um If it's meaningful enough to you, you know? Yeah. It has to be meaningful. You can't just say, I want to make a film. Well, why? Because that'd be neat. Exactly. That's not meaningful enough. No. You know, for me, it, at the time, it was deeply rooted in my identity. I hated the prospect of telling people I'm an aspiring filmmaker. It killed me, man. Aspiring yeah. meant that's, nothing. That's. I wanted to say I, was a, I made a movie. I made two movies. I made four movies. I wanted to be in it. I want to be one of the guys that was in it, that woke up, he was in it, you know? Um, one day I decided, and that was it. I didn't need the external validation, you know? Um, I have been externally validated. It helps. Um, what would that look like for you? What is that external validation? Is it mommy um, or daddy saying, go ahead, Quinn, make us proud? Like, what? I mean, seriously, I'm not trying to be glib. Like, what... Usually oh, yeah. it comes from somebody else giving yeah. permission. Yeah, I, I assume there's definitely some of that in there. Um, 
for sure. But I, I know my entire life I've been, I'm my harshest critic. I've just been, that's, that's the way I, I am. I'm a, like, I'm a very sensitive person. I can um, tell. And I my it. wife is even more sensitive. She's a highly sensitive person to the point where like, we don't really even watch. And I know you're a Tarantino buff. I actually, sure. to brush up on your content, I actually watched a couple of Tarantinos today while I was working. And, uh, <laughs> cool. and uh, yeah. And, but man, like we don't watch violence in this house very often because yeah. she's so sensitive. I and, understand. Um, I and, am too. I, 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 I know. I get PTSD I with these movies, man. I've seen a horror film, and then the next night, I have a nightmare. I'm killing my mother, gratuitously. Like, it has effects. So, I feel you, brother. I feel you on that. Crazy, don't, I don't man. think I'm casting any judgment. No, I, I wanted to ask. Not. Are I you familiar with that. the CEO of Patreon, Jack Conti? No. Thank. Oh. Is so, there's one takeaway. <laughs> yes. There's one takeaway I want you to get from this podcast. And actually, I think we're going to have to wrap up soon because I have to pee really bad. But also, yeah, I think we're at that time. We are. And there's one takeaway. And I'll let you go through like a, all the questions that you want to get in. I'll try to answer them really fast if you'd like, if you have any. But uh, and We're going to do it again, right? So We can always do it again. Yes. Let's do it again. Write this down. Patreon, the CEO, Jack Conti, him and his wife have a band. They make music. It's called Pomplamoose. May have heard of them. Um, I'm going to send you a video at the end of this. Uh, I'll give you my phone number so I can just text it to you. And uh, there's this one video, man. If this doesn't do it, if this doesn't wake you up inside, I this mean, going to do it. You're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> it's going to take some sort of life event, a crisis. It's going to take all four of your animals just before you know it. They run away from home. And you're, yeah. oh, what do I have? What do I do? Yeah. It's going to take some sort of life event crisis. Why wait for that? Why wait for that? Like you deserve to start living a creatively passionate free life now. Thank you. I will send you this video. If this doesn't do it, you're fucked. I mean it's, that. We're done. If we if I got I'm 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 looking forward to it, man. I What's it called? It. What's it called? Can can you say oh, what it's called? Yeah. Or, let me just for anyone who's listening or watching and then they can That's a good idea. Uh, let me pull that up. This yeah, one take particular, a, take a pull it up. One particular video. And while you're doing that, I'll just thank you for again for coming on and uh, just note that all of this stuff you were saying, I really appreciate that, man. Because um, it's real talk that, like you said, we've been doing this thing for a while, uh, ind individually, obviously separately, but we both, I think, understand what it is and and some of the struggles that come with it so i really do appreciate the the insight coming from someone like yourself man for, for real also thank you so much for that the honor's all mine i also must say i don't know shit but when like i don't know anything but when it comes to this narrow highway that is filmmaking creativity passion that's what i dedicated my entire life to so everything else around me don't ask me about geopolitical, global, oil, economic. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not educated. I'm not educated. If I grew up in modern times, I would have dropped out of high school at, like, at 15. I would have been like, yeah. I'm doing this <laughs> for a living. Like, yeah. I didn't get an education. I have a third grade education. I really do. The, the video is called Patreon CEO Shares His Most 
epic failures. This is it. This is the video, man. I saw that, and he's a deeply talented guy, and he reminds me of you. Uh, if anything, he's more sensitive. He's more sensitive, and uh, I felt something after this video, and I realized it's fucking time to go all in on Knives Monroe and make his inner child happy. It's fucking time. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so honored. This is great. I want to do it again. Make it a regular thing. I'm always here for you. Buddy, this has been so much fun, man, honestly. And I know you got to pee, so I will let you go. Um, don't hold it anymore. Uh, dude, thank you again. I'm going to link all your, your stuff so you can go, but I'll link all your stuff, obviously. Um, and uh, I really, we got to do it again. We got to do it again soon. Let's not wait too long. I would love that. I appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much.